Welcome to the Jam Pack Report today for May the 28th of 2023. My name is Samuel Adams, and on today's show, we are talking all about last week's PlayStation Showcase, digging into the details of what was announced, and on top of that, talking about what was not announced in the form of The Last of Us Factions, which has gotten a delay even though there was never a release date to begin with. Welcome to 2023. But on top of that, we're talking about Gollum reviews. We also have news about a Devolver Direct coming later on this week and plenty of other stories to dive into. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Last week's PlayStation Showcase was the first big show we had seen from PlayStation since 2021, and with that, expectations were through the roof. Many people, including myself, had thought this was going to be Phase 2 of the PlayStation 5. Of course, we know Wolverine is on the way from Insomniac, but we haven't even seen Spider-Man 2 yet, so the timeline for those two games is still kind of up in the air. Outside of that, we don't really know what's coming, and we had hoped that we would see what that next big swath of games looks like, because we've gotten God of War Ragnarok, we've seen Gran Turismo, we've gotten Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, and a ton of PS5 upgrades for PS4 titles, but outside of that, what do these first parties have? And we got some partial confirmations, we got some partial details on what's coming, but we didn't really see what players had wanted to see. And I'll quote a lot of people that said the same kind of thing on my Twitter timeline. PlayStation's showcase was a good show, but it wasn't a good PlayStation showcase. As somebody who plays Xbox and PC primarily, I was excited because a lot of the games shown off were also coming to other platforms outside of PlayStation. For those PlayStation fans that want those big, single-player, narrative-driven experiences that Sony has become known for, we did not see a lot of that. We saw tons of third-party games that I'm sure are going to run very well on PlayStation. We saw a lot of live service games, which is what PlayStation has said they are transitioning to or that they're going to pursue more of for the rest of the PlayStation 5 generation. But the identity that PlayStation has become known for just simply was not there. So going over to the IGN article, PlayStation Showcase 2023, everything announced. This, I thought, was the best way to run through some of the biggest highlights from the show. So we're just going to talk through them. I'm going to throw up some gameplay and we will go from there. Starting things off, we will go from last to first, or actually completely out of order. Spider-Man 2 was the saving grace of this show. This trailer looked wonderful, and there are some issues that I have with it, but I think that's just indicative of the fact that this is early gameplay. You're looking at stuff that is still actively in development right now. You're looking at a game that is not complete, so take all of that into consideration when you're checking this out. But as far as the story goes, I love the fact that Craven the Hunter started everything off, and the idea is that he is trying to find a true competitor, a true match for his hunting skills. And he can't find anything in the forest, so he goes to New York City, where he's going after Spider-Man, uh, other villains, other superheroes, and that is going to make for a fantastic matchup. But we saw Black Suit Spider-Man. We see the transition from Black Suit Spider-Man with Peter Parker into Miles Morales. And the gameplay shown off is an evolution of what we got from Spider-Man PS5 and Spider-Man Miles Morales. The transition from one Spider-Man to another feels very fluid. 
That is something that's exciting. I, I can't help but think back to like uh, Grand Theft Auto Five going from like Michael to Trevor and how long that loading took on the Xbox 360 and PS3. Seeing how fast Peter Parker transitions to Miles Morales just makes me grateful for how far we've come. But the action sequence shown off at the end of the trailer really set the tone for what I expect from a Spider-Man on PlayStation 5. It is an action-packed set piece with Kraven the Hunter, the Lizard, Spider-Man, and Miles Morales all culminating in not only a very cool sequence, but a really cool story moment at the end where you see the symbiote starting to impact the way that Peter Parker kind of thinks and reacts and the emotions uh, that he brings that kind of gives you a little bit of a look at where the story could potentially be going. So excited about Spider-Man 2 and by far it is the premier PlayStation 5 game to look out for in 2023. The other big announcement from that show was Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater Remake. Now, this is a remake of Metal Gear Solid 3 coming in the form of Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater. And this is coming in a collaborative development between Konami and Virtuos. And we did not get any kind of gameplay. We did see a couple of screenshots that I'm putting up here. But once again, much like the Spider-Man 2 trailer that we saw, the tone has been set. Snake is back. Metal Gear Solid 3 is making a comeback. And for longtime PlayStation fans, this is exciting. What is even more exciting is that this is not just coming to PlayStation. This is coming to PS5, Series XS, and PC, but no release date has been revealed yet. We also got the reveal of Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1 that includes Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty, and Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater coming to PS5 sometime later this fall. And I'll dig around and see if I can find info on if that's coming to Xbox as well and throw that up on the screen here and maybe even jump in and let the audio listeners know right now. After doing some digging, Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, Metal Gear Solid, Solid 2, and Solid 3 are all going to be bundled in the Master Collection, and it's currently only confirmed for PlayStation with more info coming later this summer. October is looking like a packed month because Assassin's Creed Mirage and Alan Wake 2 both got release dates, with Assassin's Creed Mirage coming on October the 12th on Series XS, Xbox One, PS5, PS4, and PC. And we've always heard this is going to be a throwback to classic Assassin's Creed. They're getting away from the big open world RPGs like we see with Assassin's Creed Valhalla Origins and Odyssey and getting back to that more streamlined action adventure kind of game that Assassin's Creed 2 was, that Assassin's Creed Revelations was. And you see that on full display here with Mirage, the way that you traverse the environments, the way the quick little snippets of combat look. This is an old school Assassin's Creed game. And on top of that, this one is only going to run you 50 bucks. That's a deal in today's day and age. So I'm excited about the story of Bassam. I think that the return to form for old school Assassin's Creed is going to pay off for the core demographic of Assassin's Creed fans. But that's not to say they are abandoning the RPG approach. Going forward, there will be those big open world RPGs. But hopefully with Mirage, we would be able to get both of these kind of Assassin's Creed games. Give me the big open world RPG, build some DLC for that one, but while that's going on, put out one of these old school games. I think that would be a great approach for Assassin's Creed. But following the October 12th release of Assassin's Creed Mirage, we have Alan Wake 2 coming on October the 17th. And Alan Wake 2 shocked me because I've always known Alan Wake is a horror game, but seeing the graphics on the Xbox 360 version of the game, 
it never really captured that true terror that I think a lot of horror games try to capture. I think Resident Evil 2 and 3 do a good job of having these moments where there are scary, tense moments. Alan Wake 2 does this very well from what we're seeing in the trailer. The lighting in the game looks good. The overall world building looks really nice. Uh, and of course, we see some really nice characters and set pieces that are setting up this narrative that Alan Wake has become known for. And they're always fighting an uphill battle, bringing back one of these classic IP that people have become very attached to through the years and following up a story that is kind of one of those hidden gems, if you will. And of course, with Control, they were kind of teasing the return of Alan Wake over the past couple of years, so people have known it would be coming, uh, but really, really impressed so far. So we'll see more of this one at Summer Game Fest, no doubt, and it does drop on October the 17th. Now, Sony's got a big drop next month. We got a new trailer for Final Fantasy 16 that drops on June the 22nd. Uh, really good looking approach. And if you haven't been keeping up with Final Fantasy 16, this is going to play more like a Devil May Cry than it does a typical Final Fantasy game. There is no turn based combat in this one. So that could be a win or a loss, depending on what kind of Final Fantasy fan you are. For somebody like myself, this would be a great opportunity to dive in. I just wish that it wasn't called Final Fantasy 16 personally. I feel like the more you throw yourself into these names, the more, um, I guess, uh, intimidating getting into the franchise can be because I'm like, wow, there are 15 other games and tons of spinoffs that I've got to play through. Uh, but this would be a really good jumping in point. And of course, all Final Fantasies can kind of function independently if you just want to dive in and give them a shot. We also saw Dragon's Dogma 2. This officially got revealed, and the gameplay is looking very solid. Good-looking open-world RPG that we all know Dragon's Dogma 4, but, of course, modern graphics, modern gameplay. Uh, pretty impressed with that one, and a sleeper hit, I would say, from the PlayStation Showcase. Not a ton of people talking about Dragon's Dogma 2, but one that that niche core group of people will definitely be looking forward to. Then we get to the big game that stole the show outside of Spider-Man 2. Bungie has announced the return of Marathon. Now, if you are not familiar with Marathon, this was a series of games that released back in the 90s for Mac, and it did feature a single-player campaign back in the day, of course, but this is going to be a PvP extraction shooter coming from the team at Bungie where you play as these cybernetic mercenaries that go on Tau Ceti 4, and you have to extract alien artifacts, and with that come weapons, gear, things you can equip for the next run. So this is very Escape from Tarkov-esque, where you drop in, grab your gear, and drop out. This is awesome. I cannot understate that enough. The vibe of the game, the music that's in the game. I want to inject this straight into the jugular. This is all I've been thinking about over the course of the past five days. I am not exaggerating. If you have not checked out this trailer in full, please go do so. Crank that volume up to 11 Again, we'll figure out when the release date is eventually. There is no detail like that right now, but Bungie is branching out, not just working on Destiny. And the best part is that this is coming to Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. We love a good multi-platform game, and that is all thanks to Bungie for their negotiations. Of course, I'm sure PlayStation had some kind of say in this, but uh, I would have expected this to be a PlayStation exclusive. You know, you're thinking about Bungie, the creators of Halo back in the day, uh, the current uh, Destiny gods, if you will. I mean, they've become legendary in the gaming community. You would think they would make a PlayStation 5 exclusive live action game like this, but no, they went ahead and put it on Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. 
Now, my recommendation I said over on Twitter is that they should give Marathon to all PlayStation Plus subscribers. Get players in the door. Because these live service games are constantly fighting for our attention, you've got to give players a reason to dive in, figure out if they like it, and then talk about it. Spread it via word of mouth. That's how these games take off. And so, of course, with a name like Bungie, with a franchise that has as cool of a vibe as Marathon has, it's already leaps and bounds ahead of the competition. But I think giving the game away for at least PlayStation Plus members, if it's not going to be free-to-play for everybody, would be a really good choice there. So we'll see what their monetization model is like. Uh, But Marathon is back and Bungie is at the helm. Then we got a new look at Street Fighter VI. We all know that game is going to be a fantastic fighting experience. And then we saw Jade Raymond's Haven Studio. Now, this opened up the show, and they started off with Fair Games. And this is a Robin Hood, steal from the rich kind of heist game. That's how they describe it. In fact, over at IGN, they say the game is a competitive heist experience coming to PS5 and PC about robbing the ultra-rich. The trailer started with images of hacking before seeing groups of people attempting to break into banks. It appears to have a science fiction bend as the characters were wielding very advanced-looking weaponry. No release window was given for the game. This is the game coming from Jade Raymond's Haven Studio. Of course, Jade Raymond was brought over from Google, where she was working on the AAA experiences that were going to be Google Stadia exclusives. Stadia then shut down. Raymond went off to work at PlayStation to start Haven Studios, and this is their first project. I'm not feeling good about this one. I can't tell you why. It doesn't necessarily look bad, but it doesn't give me the same grounded payday vibe. It doesn't give me a fun live service kind of vibe. I just don't know if this is going to be the game that wins players over for Haven Studio. Time will tell. Again, no release date right now. This isn't what I had hoped that Jade Raymond would be working on and the team at Haven would be working on, if I'm being honest. Uh, Not that it can't be good, just not something that really speaks to me. So we'll see how this one pans out over time. And just jumping on over to the other disappointment as far as PlayStation 5 exclusives go. Foam Stars is a Splatoon-like shooter from Square Enix. And when I say Splatoon-like shooter, I legitimately mean this game looks like Splatoon. This is like the old joke of, Mom, can we stop and get McDonald's? We have McDonald's at home. This is Splatoon at home. This is just a really, really shiny knockoff, I guess, where you've got different colored foam, you've got to spread it across this map, uh, and you're going head-to-head to, I would assume, cover a certain percentage of the landscape in the map you're playing in. Not impressed by this one whatsoever, and I think the servers are going to be shut down in six months after launch, if I'm being totally honest with you. Big Knockout City vibes from this one, uh, just not uh, doing it for me whatsoever. So let me know what you think about Foam Stars down below. But we also got to look at the Talos Principle 2. Of course, we love a good puzzle game. Excited about that one. The Plucky Squire is on the way. That's where the storybook characters jump off of the page from a 2D game into a 3D action game. Cool looking thing there. We also got to look at Phantom Blade Zero, a new hack and slash RPG. A lot of people are calling this one out. This was a really good looking game, but apparently it's coming from a studio that has never done anything on this scale before. So people are comparing it to Abandoned, which was thought to be a Kojima game. The devs came out and said it wasn't, and it turns out they were just basically lying to people, and the game never really existed to begin with. I don't know if you're ever going to see Phantom Blade Zero. If you do, if we do, 
this is going to be one that I've got to dive into because it kind of gives me that Wolong Fallen Dynasty feel where it is a bit of souls. It is a bit of hack and slash, but it looked really good. I just don't know when you're actually going to be seeing it, but really nice looking game there. Then we got Ghost Runner 2 announced for 2023. Uh, That's, of course, a fan favorite franchise, one that I like myself, kind of like cyberpunk meets Mirror's Edge in a way, I guess is how I would describe that one. And of course, we also saw some Hell Divers 2. This followed the opening of the show from Jade Raymond Studio, uh, but Hell Divers 2 kind of looks like Returnal when it comes to gameplay, a third-person over-the-shoulder shooter. Uh, but the landscapes look good, and of course, Hell Divers was a big hit on PlayStation back in 2015 when it launched. So excited to see Hell Divers come back, and it looks like they're really iterating on this one in a big way. In fact, looking at the gameplay now, it kind of reminds me of Outriders in a way. If you guys played Outriders, uh, that was a fun game coming from Square Enix. So excited to see more from Helldivers 2 as well. Now, if you want the full rundown from the PlayStation Showcase, IGN has you covered. The PlayStation blog has plenty of coverage as well. But I want to dive into Project Q. And this is the new handheld coming from PlayStation that is effectively a DualSense split down the middle with an 8-inch LCD screen built into it. Now, this is rumored to launch in November, and it's rumored to have three to four hours of battery life. But the key here is that this is not a cloud gaming device. This is not a PlayStation Vita 2. What this is, is a PS5 remote play device. They say in the trailer, you have to have your games installed on your PS5 to play on your Project Q. This is a massive missed opportunity, if that is the case. Because they have not even confirmed you can play PlayStation Plus premium games on this device via cloud streaming. In a world where the Logitech G Cloud exists, and in a world where you have accessible accessories like the Backbone One that you can connect to your iPhone or your Android tablet or your Android phone and have the PS5 remote play and access the PlayStation Plus Premium Collection, what is the point of this? Now, of course, I get the premium experience with this design. The DualSense controller functionality is baked into it through and through. You've got the adaptive triggers. You've got the haptic feedback. All of that's awesome. But what is the price of this? And is it really worth that? I think that if this thing is any more than $200, it's immediately dead on arrival. Because think about what you can do with that additional cash in this space. You can take your $200, or even let's say this thing is $300. I think that is a reasonable expectation for what you're looking at here. Because it's an 8-inch tablet with a DualSense built into it, and they have to have room for some income, you know, some revenue generation there. I think if this is priced at $300... You can take an additional $100 and get a Steam Deck. That's a whole gaming PC built into a handheld form. If you take a little bit more money, you can get an Asus ROG Ally. That's an even more powerful handheld gaming PC. Let's say if you want to spend $50 more, you can get the Logitech G Cloud that not only does PS5 remote play, but also connects to that premium streaming subscription for PlayStation. You've got the Xbox game streaming built in there as well. You've got any connection to any game streaming service you want on the G Cloud for $350, and it's normally $299, maybe even $250. I've seen it as low as I think $200 at one point. I don't know who this is for, other than the hardcore PlayStation fans. I just think this is going to be a big miss. And a lot of people are also saying this is comical because it looks like the bad YouTube mock-ups that many people would probably make when they hear about a leaked PlayStation handheld. It literally looks like you photoshopped the DualSense down the middle and put a screen into it. 
We'll see how it does. I just don't have a ton of faith in it. Now, the other product that they announced is a pair of PS5 earbuds. This idea is a space in the current console market that is deeply overlooked because right now over-ear headsets are overrunning the stores. We have ones that are proprietary from Xbox. Uh, We have one straight from Sony for the PS5. We've got Turtle Beach. We've got Logitech. We've got gaming headsets coming out of every orifice on the body. What we don't have are legitimately good gaming earbuds. And as somebody who uses AirPods Pro every day of the week, I would love a pair of Xbox earbuds for my Xbox experience. I would love a pair of PC earbuds, which of course you can get a pair of earbuds for your PC, but like these premium gaming earbuds that are really good, that are comparable to what you would get from a gaming headset. That's what I want more of. PlayStation looks like they are nailing it with these. I love the design, love the charging case as well. A little LED indicator at the bottom definitely does it for me. Uh, So this is what I hope to be the trendsetter. I don't want to see more cloud gaming handhelds or PS5 remote play handhelds, uh, but give me more of these earbuds and I'm going to be there every day of the week. One game players had expected to see was The Last of Us Factions, the multiplayer-only Last of Us spinoff that was announced a couple of years back, but it looks like that one could be in trouble. The Last of Us multiplayer is reportedly facing setbacks as Naughty Dog has announced a delay. This comes from Adam Bankhurst over at IGN reporting on an article from Jason Schreier over at Bloomberg. Bankhurst writes, The quality and long-term viability of the much-anticipated Last of Us multiplayer game has seemingly come into question. As a result, sources have claimed a small group remains on the project while the company reevaluates the direction. Bloomberg notes the game has not been canceled at this time, but many of the developers that were working on the project have been moved to others within the company. Following Bloomberg's request for comment, Naughty Dog shared the following tweet. The Last of Us fans, We know many of you have been looking forward to hearing more about our Last of Us multiplayer game. We're incredibly proud of the job our studio has done thus far, but as development has continued, we've realized what is best for the game is to give it more time. Our team will continue to work on the project as well as our other games in development, including a brand new single-player experience. We look forward to sharing more soon. We're grateful to our fantastic community for your support. Thank you for your passion for our games. It continues to drive us. This was a really weird tweet to see because I saw this before Jason Schreier tweeted out his Bloomberg article. And immediately, my reaction was, why are they announcing a delay to a game that hasn't had a release date? Because when you don't see it at the PlayStation Showcase, you might expect to see it at the Summer Game Fest or something along those lines. But after the request for comment, as Mark Delaney, a great writer that uh, were mutual followers on Twitter, pointed out, it was likely that they knew this story was coming, they got wind of it, and they wanted to get ahead of it. Number one, it's better to put out a game later than to put out a bad game. That's always the sentiment. Number two, based on the reports, it sounds like Bungie was brought in to evaluate the direction of the new Naughty Dog multiplayer game, and Bungie had concerns about the long-time viability that it's going to be sticky with fans, that people are going to want to stick around for the long term, keep coming back to it, keep buying in-game cosmetics and things like that. And so it sounds like they are going back to the drawing board a bit. Now, the report also says, as they reported IGN, that the development team has been paired back, that fewer people are working on it. That could be indicative of the fact that there's a bigger problem and this game may never actually come out. That's kind of been the sentiment. And for me, if it's not going to work, 
then it's not going to work. You don't need to continue pouring resources into something that isn't going to be a fun experience for fans. We've seen games try that approach, and it never pans out. It's always a bad idea to put out a game that isn't going to end up being fun. And if Bungie got in there and found that the game wasn't enjoyable, there's no need to put it out. Don't force something on people whenever it's not ready to be forced, whenever it's not the kind of experience that people want. The fact that they are already alluding to a new single-player experience and basically saying, hey, we're kind of winding down working on this, but we're working on these things, is basically reflective of the statement we see from Bloomberg. Hey, we're winding down development on this, but we're shifting developers over to these. That's kind of the way that I see this. So I have full faith in Naughty Dog. I've loved them since Jack and Daxter. Love The Last of Us. Love Uncharted. Whatever they're working on is going to be good. But I also want to ask you, like, who wants The Last of Us Factions? Are people really clamoring for a Last of Us multiplayer game? Because Factions was cool on the PlayStation 3 whenever you're playing it on the original version of the game. Is that something that will hold up in 2023? I mean, the gameplay, if I remember correctly, was kind of similar to Gears, where you're going from cover to cover, kind of like Uncharted multiplayer as well, which was fun, but it's not going to give Call of Duty a run for its money. It's not going to give Gears a run for its money, which has a very small subset of the multiplayer market right now anyway. I just don't know if the the juice is worth the squeeze, as the saying goes. Is it really worth having this game stuck in development hell for a number of years as they pour millions into it? I don't know if they're going to get that same amount of money out of it. So Last of Us multiplayer has been delayed. Let me know what you think down below. Would you actually want to dive into a Last of Us Factions multiplayer game? To round out today's show, we've got a three-piece of quick hits for you. The Devolver Digital Showcase is going to get some more details later this week. More than likely, it's going to be a bit of a teaser trailer put out via Twitter for a show that will come next week because Summer Game Fest kicks off on June the 11th. Last year's show was on June the 9th, so we could see something maybe the week of June the 11th through the 18th maybe in that time frame, Uh, but we will definitely stay tuned and we will have more info later on in the week. Then Xbox and Boostroid have started their partnership. They are bringing the same deal we talked about last week for GeForce Now over to Boostroid. This is another of the game streaming companies they inked a contract for in a bid to get this Activision Blizzard deal closed. And all of this starts on June the 1st. They write Boostroid customers in Ukraine, the United Kingdom, countries across the European Union, and the US will soon be able to jump in as Kate Diaz to take on the Horde in Gears 5. They'll also play Deathloop and Pentiment as well with more on the way. Grounded is also mentioned. So if you want to dive into cloud, Boostroid is another way to do it alongside GeForce Now and tons of other cloud gaming companies that will now get access to Xbox's catalog. And again, this is all just a bid to get that deal closed. They want Activision Blizzard and they'll do anything to make it happen. But to round out today's show, the Lord of the Rings Gollum reviews are in, and it is a doozy. TechRaptor gives it a 6.5, and that's the highest rating on the list. Shack News comes in at a 6. Spazio Games comes in at a 5. Twinfinite with a 1.5 out of 5. Guardian with a 1 out of 5. Press Start with a 3. Inverse with a 3. Push Square to 2. And GameSpot at a 2. The game is currently sitting at a 40 on Metacritic right now. And it seems like this one is absolutely horrendous. So if you're a fan of Lord of the Rings, looks like Gollum is a safe one to pass. Uh... You shall not pass joke is in there somewhere, I am sure, but a bummer nonetheless. We never like to see games come out and get these kind of reviews, but uh, on the bright side, Redfall is no longer the worst game of the year. So congrats to the team at Xbox for uh, not coming in last.
But that rounds out this week's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to drop me a like down below. And if you're brand new, hit that subscribe button on YouTube or add the show to your podcast feed and get it delivered right to you every single Sunday. But until next time, you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And as always, keep on playing.